Today on the podcast, we are discussing CUNY. CUNY has become a cesspool of anti-Semitism. It's been that way for many years. It's systemic, and sadly, that's putting it mildly. And here now on the VIN podcast to discuss all of that, Jeffrey Lax, Professor Lax, is a law professor at CUNY, founder of Safe CUNY. He's been a fierce critic of the institution's just disgraceful behavior. And now he himself is being targeted and investigated for discriminating against anti-Semites, which is absurd. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Yaakov. I really appreciate the opportunity. Look, as I said, the Jew hatred is systemic, and we know about, just to name a few things, Fatima Muhammad's vicious commencement address, CUNY faculty's support for the BDS resolution, the purging of Jews uh, from its leadership. You're being targeted, and now breaking news literally happened today, which is that CUNY has hired vicious anti-Semite Mark Lamont Hill. You know, I just told you what we know from the outside, but you see this all day, every day. You have a very unique perspective. So please give us your perspective on what's happening at CUNY. Yeah, you're getting a real scoop here. I don't think any show has covered this yet, the Mark Lamont Hill news that just broke today. So you got to get this podcast out there quick. Yes, Jacob. that's my plan. Uh, but, but yeah, the, I, mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where to start. I mean, let me start backwards. Mark Lamont Hill, even though that's to me one of the least serious things that's going on right now, as horrible as it is. So Mark Lamont Hill, for those who uh, don't recall, because it's now a few years ago, CNN and those who follow CNN know their opinion on Israel uh, and anti-Semitism. It's not been stellar, to say the least. Um, even their documentary failed, really very much failed to cover certain types of anti-Semitism. They're, they're very good on right-wing uh, anti-Semitism, you know, Nazi anti-Semitism. And you don't have to tell the son, the grandson of Holocaust survivors like me, you know, to to hate that type of anti-Semitism. They're, they're, they're less good on the other side, the left-wing anti-Semitism, yep. which is really unfortunate. But the point is, even they fired Mark Lamontel for the comments he made in a U.N. speech he gave back in 2018, where he basically defended violence that Palestinians would commit against Jews, basically defended uh, Intifada, um, and also demanded a free Palestine, and I'm, I'm going to quote here, from the river to the sea. I mean, he used that, he used that disgusting Hamas term from the river to the sea to refer to Israel. So CNN yep. fired him for that. So, of course, if, you know, he's going to be someone who's so outwardly anti-Semitic and, you know, uses uh, tr anti-Semitic tropes against Jews and against Israeli Jews, of course, CUNY's got to rush to hire him because that's what CUNY's about nowadays because they've become so systemically anti-Semitic. And you're right. You mentioned something else that I really I, I, I want to I, I want to really say this first before anything else is that and it's not just me. Uh, you mentioned me. And yes, I'm, I'm one of the four professors. But there are four Zionist Jewish professors right now at CUNY that are under investigation. CUNY has placed me and three other professors under investigation. Why? Because we filed complaints about anti-Semitism on, on our campuses. That is literally, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not like, you know, making up, making this up. Literally, we are, we four are, are under investigation for anti-Semitism complaints that we filed with the school uh, over the past uh, few months. So that's how, that, that's how the, I mean, the expungement of Jews at CUNY has been absolutely outrageous. There are zero, zero senior leadership employees right now at CUNY that are Jewish, 
New York is 20% Jewish. There are zero senior administrators at CUNY that are Jewish. That is, that is for the first time since the university was formed in 1961. That, that is a, I'm, not a, I'm not a staff professor, but I can ask one in my department. That seems to me like a statistical impossibility <laughs> unless you're really trying to get rid of Jews. But that's how bad it is at CUNY now. And yes, Mark Lamont Hill is now an employee of the Graduate Center of CUNY. It's unfathomable. And I know you've been critical of public figures who have spoken out, have used kind of the rhetoric, uh, decrying, condemning anti-Semitism at CUNY. But then when it comes to actual results, it, it, you know, it, there's been, let's call it a lackluster performance. I, I mean, you talk about the student body. You talk about uh, how many Jews are in CUNY, how, how many Jews, in fact, many well-known Jews have gone through the CUNY system like, a, like a, of all the facilities, of all the universities, of all the institutions in the country, this should be the most number one pro-Jewish and should, should have just a, an enormous amount of Jews in the leadership and in the faculty. How do you explain all of this? Well, I think it's important to distinguish what a lot of people, including me, thought you know six, seven years ago, which turned out not to be true. We thought there were just a lot of anti-Semitism, isolated incidents across CUNY that they weren't handling well. And we turned out to be totally wrong. And it's only because of the formation of my group, Safe Cutie, and I'm going to ask you know, your listeners to please follow us on Twitter because we are really basically the only ones constantly breaking news about Jewish issues and anti-Semitism Absolutely. at CUNY. We're, we're, the, we're basically the only ones. In fact, With, without any exaggeration. Yeah, you know, literally the only ones. And, you know, I get calls, I mean, I would say on a daily basis from various media outlets about what's going on at CUNY. Something happens, I get a call, because usually we're the ones putting it out there. But what I wanted to mention was that you know, for the first time ever, you know, say CUNY was formed two years ago, for the first time ever, CUNY is actually being exposed for what they're doing. What we have developed an unbelievable and vast network throughout the university. Now, CUNY is huge. CUNY is, I don't think a lot of people realize how big it is. It's the largest urban university in the country, it's got 240,000 students. It's got 25 campuses. More than half the college students in New York are CUNY students. Gives you an idea how big CUNY is. Wow. So CUNY, so CUNY being that large, um, you know, the the first of all, it's going to have a major impact. The way the anti-Semitism uh, story ends at CUNY is going to dramatically impact. How it how it goes throughout the rest of the country, like you said, in a city that's twenty percent Jewish, and we can't defend the Jews at our university, we're in big trouble, big trouble nationally. But uh, but I want to answer your question directly. I don't think I, I did that. I think I'm sort of kind of leading up to it. Um, you know, you asked how did this happen? How did we get to where we were? So six seven years ago, I thought they, that Kinney was just failing, just doing a bad job. They didn't understand anti-Semitism that well. Um, they weren't addressing it well. They, they were weak. We turned out to be totally wrong. It turns out that CUNY's top leaders are actual anti-Semites. They're actually doing this on purpose. And how do we figure that out? So with our amazing network, we, we have sources and places that I'm going to proudly say out loud because I, I would want CUNY to know this. We have sources in their rooms that they would never imagine in a million years are coming back to us and telling us what's really going on. 
at the highest levels. I want them to know that. I don't want that to be a secret because I want them to, to end this nonsense. So we have sources everywhere, and they tell us unbelievable stories, and a lot of it is anonymous. But we're able to get the information out there. And what we realized was um, over the past two years, it's not that there's just you – know, we all know that there are some anti-Semitic uh, student groups, and there are certainly anti-Semitic faculty groups and factions, You know, just like everywhere. There are good people and bad people. But at CUNY, I believe the chancellor himself is pushing an anti-Semitic agenda – he has put out information that we've uh, exclusively obtained, that uh, some information we've made public and some information we have strategically not made public, but that we have in our pockets because he's going around lying to people about what he's saying and doing. And we have the evidence that shows that he's lying. And uh, we've purposely not made that public yet, yet but we have it. Um, and the head of diversity at CUNY, the head of discrimination at CUNY, in charge of 25 campuses, in charge of 240,000 students, is a former care director who led the BDS movement for care. She is Sally Abadala was the former care director of the uh, the Minnesota chapter of care. By the way, one of the most radical chapters of care. And she led the BDS movement there. And she's the head of discrimination at CUNY, which means she's the head of investigating anti-Semitism. At CUNY, and so if you go to the, if you go to CUNY's, and this is like surreal it's, to listen to this, it right? Is. Yeah. But if you go onto CUNY's discrimination page, on that page, believe it or not, is the Jerusalem Declaration of Anti-Semitism, and that, for those who don't know, is much more extreme than even the Nexus definition. The Biden administration took some heat for adopting Nexus. Even the Biden administration rejected the Jerusalem Declaration. They rejected it because they thought it was too extreme. Zero entities around the world have adopted the Jerusalem Declaration, but CUNY has it on their discrimination page because it undermines the IRA definition, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition of anti-Semitism. And basically, in short, the Jerusalem Declaration allows CUNY CDOs, the chief diversity officers at every university, to consider Zionist Jews basically to be racist. And so if you have a definition like that on the website that allows investigators to deem Zionist Jews racist, then you can investigate them for discriminating against BDS activists, against people who call Israel apartheid, settler, colonial, Jewish supremacist. You can actually consider people like me and the three other professors that's what allows this to happen. So I really, I really want to emphasize that none of this is hypothetical. It's, we're not saying hypothetically the Jerusalem Declaration could lead to bad things. What I'm saying is that the use of the Jerusalem Declaration is what allows CUNY to do what they're actually doing, investiga- investigating Zionist Jews for making complaints against anti-Semitism because why? Because it's against the BDS. Uh, type of anti-Semitism, the Islamist radical anti-Semitism, and they consider that racist. And so for that, they're persecuting us with these inquisitions. And like you, the word is surreal and Orwellian, because exactly what you said, this bizarro world stuff where you have, you know, Ministry of Truth, you know, is, is, the, is the Ministry ministry of Falsehood, just like Biden's disinformation czar, who was their chief disinformation officer. You're talking about BDS supporters who are the ultimate racist, the ultimate anti-Semites. 
and you're discriminating against them, and you're being targeted as the the one who's prejudiced and 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 the one who's disc, uh, discriminating when literally, literally, you're the victim of their discrimination. It's all backwards. It's all twisted. I, I read you Benjamin Kirstein at GNS, and I think at JNS, I should say. I'm sorry, and I think that you uh, linked to this actually recently. Quote, it is clear what CUNY's plan is to purge all Jewish and Zionist members of the faculty, force Jewish students who do not tow the anti-Zionist line off campus. CUNY anti-Semites have not adopted this plan out of any ulterior motives. They've done so because they believe it's the right thing to do. They believe it's a moral imperative to speak truth to Jewish power and purify their campus of its evil. They're true believers, end quote. And what he's really trying to say there, and it really is actually a very chilling message, is it's not even with them some sort of agenda or some sort of ulterior motive. Like they literally look at Jews as evil, at least Jews who are, you know, pro-Zionist and who believe in, you know, the values of Judaism. Well, all you have to do is look at what they're doing. What are they doing? They're getting rid of Jews everywhere. So the senior administration at CUNY has zero Jews left. There are 25 campus presidents. There are zero permanent uh, presidents that are Jewish that are left. There used to be uh, a lot. There used to be eight, nine, ten at one point, maybe even more. Um, zero permanent Jewish. They have one interim Jewish president, and that only happened because the last Jewish president resigned and we were pressuring CUNY. Now you have zero Jewish presidents, too, so they put one in that's interim. Meanwhile, they're going to find another one who's not Jewish, I guarantee you. Um, <laughs> so they will soon have zero, zero Jewish presidents. At my campus at Kingsborough, um, and the percentage of Jews in Brooklyn, as you probably know, is higher than the percentage in New York City as a whole. Now, Brooklyn is 22% Jewish. So in my, in my, at my campus at Kingsborough, guess how many senior administrators are Jewish? Yeah, was it, would it be zero? It would be zero. And it Lucky used, guess. and not long ago, four, five, six years ago, it was eight, nine, seven, I'm not sure of the exact number. Now it's zero. So you, and now we're starting to look at other campuses too. But I, I guarantee you, you're going to see the same trend at other campuses, 100% guaranteed. So, again, this is not hypothetical. This is actually happening. And I, and I, and I, and I, I hate to say this because this, this is what makes me lose sleep at night, Yaakov. I, it, it, uh, for some reason, as the grandchild of Holocaust survivors, it, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't lose one wink of sleep over fighting the bad guys, the BDSers. The, the Nazis, the Islamist radicals who want, you know, pal from, from the river to the sea, Palestine should be free. Th that doesn't bother me. I mean, do I think it's the most horrible thing? Of course. Of course. But the fight doesn't bother me. The fight is something that is, is very profoundly uh, something I take pride in undertaking. What bothers me, though, are the Jewish leaders who are throwing the Jewish victims under the bus. And that is happening way too much nowadays. And, and I think Ina Vernikoff is the main culp, culp, uh, culprit right now because, you know, we have been begging her, begging her, you know, because she, she speaks the most about this. And she not only accomplishes the least, but she does the most things that actually are detrimental. And we have to go around her to fight these things. And she has said nothing about the four professors who were under investigation for filing anti-Semitism complaints. And we've been begging her, begging her, please speak out. Please do something. It's not going to end with these four professors. I was the first one placed under investigation for this. And I said at the time, I am not going to be the last. I'm going to be the first of many. 
And what they're trying to do is they're trying to tell Jews, you better not file a complaint of anti-Semitism because we're going to come after you. That is the clear message. So for that reason, for existential reasons, we are begging her. We are begging council member, head of the Jewish caucus and head of the education committee, Dinowitz, Eric Dinowitz, to speak out. And, and I was sick to my stomach, Yaakov. I almost threw up. When I read an article a few days ago in the Jewish Link, oh, where the yeah. Jewish Link called her out about it and said, "Why aren't you taking? Why aren't you saying anything in support of the professors who were under investigation for filing anti-Semitism complaints?" Her answer made me sick and should make every Jew sick. She said, "There's no evidence that CUNY is threatening to fire them," and I, I, I'm, I'm like, I almost fell out of my chair. I'm, th I'm thinking to myself, okay, so then if a student walks into a classroom and a radical professor says to them, get the hell out of my class, you Zionist pig, we don't have Zionist pigs in our class, would Vernikov then say, well, you know, it's okay because you haven't been given an F yet. <laughs> wasn't you suspended. Know, you, haven't been, you haven't been expelled yet. So therefore we should, first of all, Vernikov knows nothing about the personnel situation. For her to say there's no evidence, that we might be fired is a total lie. It's a lie because CUNY does not discuss personnel situations like that with anybody, let alone a public politician. So she's lying, first of all. Second of all, what a disgusting thing to say when there's an inquisition going on, as if it's, as if it's the Spanish Inquisition. I mean, against Zionist Jews just for filing anti-Semitism complaints, what a disgusting, despicable thing to say when you have leaders saying things like that, doing things like that, and not standing behind a truly existential issue where Jews are truly being expunged from the university in New York and 20% Jewish New York. What hope then do we have? If we don't save ourselves, how on earth are we going to be saved? Uh, yeah, I did find it's it. Just, it, it, it was yeah. bizarre, you know, and nothing else. And, and again, I understand your passion about this. And, you know, discussing Councilwoman Vernikoff, I want to, you know, I know Councilwoman Vernikov, I certainly want to hear her perspective on this with a little bit more clarity. But I think I guess the obvious and you're alluding to this, but the obvious question, the obvious elephant in the room is, but you're being investigated. They're investigating you for and you, the four professors for um, discrimination. And they're accusing you of discriminating because of your Zionist views and your pro-Israel views and your pro-Jewish views. So that, by definition, is is already just inexcusable and egregious, you know, nothing to do with being fired. Obviously, being fired would be just just a total disgrace, but it already is. So it was just bizarre. I agree with you. It's very, very puzzling. Um, what? Is, but then on that note, though, I, that segues into the next question I wanted to ask you, which is, what is the end game? Have they informed you of what this investigation, you know, what the repercussions could be, what they're trying to do? I, I understand they have an agenda. I'm not trying to be naive, but... Like, what's the worst case scenario? I've been curious for a while because, I mean, are you concerned about your own position and your own security within CUNY and the other three professors that are being targeted as well? Well, despite uh, Councilwoman Vernikov's um, imbecilic comment, of course I'm scared of losing my job. Uh, she may not be worried. It may not affect her children's yeshiva tuitions. It may not affect her family's food on their table. But of course I'm concerned. Let me let me take you through the process of what it was for me. I want you to hear how, you know, you, you use the term, and you're right, Orwellian, 
Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw another term at you now, which is Kafkaesque, because I want you to hear about the investigation Getting into the cultural literature uh, war over yeah, here, you and yeah, me. Yeah. Yes, and it, not, sadly, I'm, I'm it's not. all quite yeah. accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's Kafka's The Trial. And basically what happened to me was, again, this is going to sound like the craziest made-up story from a Kafka novel. It really will. But this is really what happened to me. They placed me under investigation because I filed a complaint that BDS activists were in charge of hiring anti-Semitism DEI officers, which is unbelievable to begin with. I'm under investigation for that. Now, what happened? Excuse me. First of all, they refused to tell me that I was under investigation. So the way that I was informed, and I'm putting quotes around informed, that I was under investigation was they sent an email to the BDS activist. And by the way, I didn't ask for the BDS activist to be fired. I didn't ask for her to be penalized. I didn't ask for anything bad to happen to her. All I said was she should not be in charge of hiring anti-Semitism officers. That's all I said. That's the only thing I said. That is what I am under investigation for. Wow. So they copied me on a letter to her saying that her complaint about me discriminating against her was going to be investigated. That, that was my – now, they said nothing about me. They actually said nothing about what the investigation was about in the letter. They just copied me on it. It was a very generic letter that just said your complaint is being investigated. That's how I was notified. Then months later – an outside agency, a multi-million dollar multinational firm called Stone Turn, got in touch with me and said, we'd like to talk to you about this professor's investigation. Said nothing about the investigation, said nothing about me being uh, a target of the investigation, which, by the way, violates CUNY's policies. They emailed me multiple times with no information at all about what the investigation was about and refusing to tell me that I was a target of the investigation, which, again, violates CUNY's policy. Finally, I demanded. I said, I would like to know what this is about, and am I a target? And only on and the fourth email to me, the fourth email, they finally admitted that I was a target of the investigation. They, so, in other words, they tried to interview me without me even knowing that I was the target. They actually tried to make me sit down wow. with them. Without, without me knowing anything about the complaint at all, at first they refused to tell me anything about the complaint, and then, with, and also without me knowing that I was even the target of the investigation. They also refused to provide me a copy of the complaint, which again violates CUNY's policies. So they, they refused to tell me I was a the target. They tried to get me to interview without knowing that. They refused to provide me a copy of the complaint, which they have never done. And then once they admitted to me that I was a target, they didn't let me testify. I begged them repeat, repeatedly to, to test. Please let me testify in my own defense. They would not let me testify in my own defense. They refused to let me testify in the end. Um, and then they completed their investigation against me. I found that only through court documents in an outside court case that I have against CUNY. They completed their investigation on February 28th. That is now, goodness, it's, it's August 24th. Half a year ago... And CUNY refuses to tell me the results of the investigation. So that's my story. So they don't tell me that I'm a target. They try to interview me without me knowing that. They don't give me a copy of the complaint. They don't let me testify in my own defense. They, they close the investigation with findings. The findings were given to CUNY in February. In February. 
And now they refuse to give me the results of the investigation six months after it was closed. Forget Kafka. I mean, it's it's unreal. I mean, it's really, truly not to be believed. And it sounds like their investigation is being headed by Merrick Garland and the current DOJ, because those are the kinds of tactics that they use as well. I mean, th- what you're describing is, just, like I said, it sends chills down one spine, not not in a good way. It's outrageous. My, my, yeah. My, yeah, it really is. Wow. And and it, it, it amazes me, you know, that you're not getting more support. And like I said, the fact that this is under the radar, that... The media's not picked up on this. Obviously, nothing's a shock, but it, it, it it's just despicable. It's so infuriating. My, my final well, question. Media, yeah. Yeah, the media has picked up on this, Jacob. The Post has done a story about it. Yeah, that's true. Post have. But, Verna, but when you have people like Vernikov saying that everything I just told you, don't worry about it because you haven't been fired yet. Yeah, yeah, I know. When the Jewish leaders is working with these Jewish leaders, and these Jewish leaders are working against our interests. They're actually saying and doing things. When Vernikov comes out and says, ah, oh, don't worry about that, Lax. It doesn't matter that all those things happened to you. You haven't been fired yet. There's no evidence that, you're, that, you're, that they might fire you, as if that's the issue, as if that's the issue. So right. that's the problem. Is that Jew- and it's not just her. I would say JCRC also has been a terrible detriment to this fight. Because they have defended Sally Abadala in that position repeatedly. And in direct conversations I have had with them, JCRC has said that where Sally Abadala once worked should not be used against her. Noam Gilboard told me that directly in a meeting I had with him, that where Sally Abadala worked, again, it was Care, Minnesota, and she was the head of the BDS effort there, shouldn't be held against her. So you know what I said to him in that meeting? I said, well, okay. If she had worked for the KKK in the communications department, would you have been okay with that too? And now she's the CDO at CUNY. And you know, interestingly enough, he didn't want to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's who we have. Wow. The Jews at CUNY. And, and final question. Um, what's the end game? And I realize this is a loaded question, but you may be aware Congressman Mike Lawler you know, he put forth a resolution. Obviously, that would be federal legislation, uh, not a resolution. He put forth legislation, a bill, he sponsored a bill that would basically defund any university that uh, allows hatred to be spoken, at least in a formal capacity on campus, which he specifically did this in response to that, uh, you know, comment that, that anti-Semitic commencement address. Is that going to go anywhere? I, I don't know, because obviously we know that, you know, a lot of members of Congress want to protect colleges and universities. Federal funding, then, of course, the city funding, and you're making reference to a lot of these city council members who are probably not prepared, you know, to defund CUNY. So what can be done? What's, like, the best-case scenario? What are we even hoping for? I mean, you're fighting the good fight. You're sticking your neck out there. You're doing things that are courageous and probably takes a lot of self-sacrifice on your part. But, like, what's the best-case scenario? Well, and by the way, to your point, Dinowitz, Vernikoff, and all the other council members, with the exception of Ari Kagan, uh, Ari Kagan stood up bravely and opposed the budget to CUNY, but Vernikoff and Dinowitz gave a blank check to CUNY in the budget that just came out a couple of months ago. They gave CUNY, I mean, just more money than you could possibly imagine. I don't, I don't have a dollar figure in front of me, but they gave them a blank check. They basically totally conceded all the money that CUNY wanted. No qualifications whatsoever, no demands like the the Senate had done years ago, threatening to withhold funds from CUNY, and it was effective if they don't ramp up their anti-Semitism protections. Uh, but they, so what's the end game here? You're right. The Lawler bill is a terrific bill. 
Um, I've been in touch with congressmen about a similar bill. Uh, can't say who or what yet. So we're, we are working on other potential legislation um, directly with uh, other congressmen who also are working with Lawler. Uh, obviously, I don't know if that will pass. I'm hopeful that it will. I think it's a, a wonderful bill and will be effective. It will be nice to see that pass. I haven't heard anything about the momentum behind that bill. Um, I think the ultimate goal, um, there's a couple of goals here. One of them is IRA must be adopted by CUNY. It's, it's, it is absolutely inexcusable that you have 37 states now that have adopted the IRA definition of anti-Semitism, and over 1,100 entities around the world have adopted the IRA definition, and zero have adopted the Jerusalem Declaration. Absolutely a disgrace that the most systemically anti-Semitic university in the country would not now adopt the IRA definition in a city that's 20% Jewish. New York has a higher population of Jews than Tel Aviv and Jerusalem combined, okay? And we can't get the IRA definition adopted in New York. It tells you how weak the Jewish leadership in politics is right now. It is unbelievably weak. There are major exceptions like Lawler and like my congressman, Desposito, who I think really cares about this stuff immensely and, and hopefully will do good things. But the local politicians really have failed us. Immensely. How ironic because you just mentioned two, not, two non-Jewish congressmen. It's sad. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, what, that's what I lose sleep overnight about, about the Jewish leaders who are failing us. That's what kills me. It really does. It's hard. It's hard. I, I think it's especially hard, again— as a grandchild of Holocaust survivors and a great-grandchild of people murdered in the Holocaust. I think it's especially hard to see that happen. Uh, you know, but that's that's a reality. I'm, I'm not going to... Listen, what I always tell people, and some of them laugh, what's the greatest thing our group Safe CUNY has going for us? It's that we don't have anything. I actually think that's our biggest strength. We don't have any money. We don't have any major political connections. We don't have anything. We haven't raised a penny. I've actually spent... Uh, tons of my own money. It was really hurting my pocketbook um, uh, to keep this thing running. And so have colleagues of mine. And but that, you know, that that challenge, that lack of funding, which we are totally unfunded, allows us to do one thing, act on, com on complete fact, truth and genuine idea ideology. And all we care about is defeating anti-Semitism. We don't have any conflicting agendas like some of these politicians do. We don't have any conflicting agendas like groups like JCRC do. JCRC, if you talk to them, and by the way, if you talk behind the scenes to any Jewish organization, the, the genuine ones, and there are so many good ones and amazing ones. I don't want to make it seem like there are more bad than good. It's not true. JCRC is one of the few that's a disgrace, and so is Hillel International a disgrace. These groups are not fighting anti-Semitism. If you talk to all the good Jewish groups behind the scenes, they will tell you in private. They will never say it publicly. They'll never do what we're doing, which is making it public. They will tell you in private that it's a disgrace what JCRC is doing, defending people like Sally Abadallah. Hillel International is also defending Sally Abadallah. So if you talk to them in private, they will say, so we are doing publicly what nobody is doing publicly, and we can only do that because we have nothing yeah 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 amazing point amazing point absolutely true uh okay we're gonna end it there 
Jeff Lax, first I want to just thank you. This was an amazing, amazing uh, appearance here, amazing interview. On so many levels, it was insightful. And your passion, your devotion, your sincerity, your fearlessness and courage, and you're, you're truly an inspiration. And I, and I think, I believe in my heart that you and Safe CUNY and the people around you are having a tremendous influence at the grassroots level. I understand your frustration with a lot of establishment folks, but uh, what you guys are doing is not to be believed. And I wish you a tremendous Hatzlacha and Yashakayach. Uh, listen, those words, you can't even imagine. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. It's the, it, it is so important to what we're doing because we're facing so much evil and so much pushback from the people who are supposed to be on our side but really are not. So when people like you say that and have us on podcast and give attention to this and bring and amplify it, it means everything. From the bottom of my heart, Yaakov, thank you. I really appreciate your words. I really appreciate you giving us the time. And uh, and keep in touch. I hope I hope we can keep in touch about this. Yes, same here. And anything that we can do, we're certainly willing to do. Professor Jeffrey Lax, founder of Safe CUNY, law professor uh, and a true activist here on the VIN News Podcast.